scoffers out there in the big city, all you street people with an ear for the action, I've been asked to relay a request from the Shady Pines. It's a special for the Warriors. That's that real live bunch from Coney. And I do mean the Warriors. Here's a hit with them in mind. Grandpa. Grandpa, come on. Grandpa, come on, you promised. I don't know what kind of sick, sadistic, shady pine son of a bitch makes a guy with COVID and bronchitis do voice work, but I like it. I knew you would, Cat Daddy. Ladies and gentlemen, Scumbag, scumbag, blood Let's get ready to rumble with
want to get one more story in of the jungle, but the one where you were cutting down the tree and almost went onto the car and then almost went onto the dogs. <laughs> it's such a fucking crazy. That's one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. You're like this memory so, lane. Oh my god. <laughs> all right. So like I'm I'm six foot and I weigh like 150 pounds. I'm like a fucking little twig, right? And um, so I got real good with a chainsaw. And if you can imagine a six foot tall, 150 pound string bean with a chainsaw in yeah. flip flops and swim trunks, that's, that was me. It, I did some crazy shit with a chainsaw. So one day, uh, you're a total outlaw. <laughs> one day there was this huge tree, like a hundred feet high. I don't know. It was gigantic, like touch the sky, kind of a tree. Like you can't put your arms around it. It's so big. Um, and it, but it was perfectly straight. And I'd, I'd cut down a lot of crooked trees, crooked trees are pretty easy to cut down because they only go unless they're twisted. I mean, they can twist when they fall, but if they, you can kind of generally tell which way the tree wants to fall based on how it's already growing. So I've cut down a lot of crooked trees by then and I felt pretty confident and I needed, I felt like I needed anyway to cut down this tree on this particular day, which was a Sunday, which meant that none of the workers were there. So I didn't have an audience, but I also didn't have like a safety net, right? I yeah. didn't have anybody to like watch my back. So Dude, that is crazy, man. It's That's just wild. me and me and Lulu out there in the jungle. Oh my god. Uh, I'm not even that crazy. Even if I was drunk on Jack, I don't think I could chop down a tree with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I cut down a lot, but this one was yeah anyway so yeah yeah totally. uh, i had to get it cut down because we were getting well, you have been cutting down trees just to oh, put I mean, that out there it wasn't like, like you just try to cut down one tree it was you no, know no, what no. you were doing somewhere i mean by then we had our house built you know right so, right you had already gotten acquainted with the jungle we had, yeah we had cut down a ton of stuff already so um we were going to put in the solar panel structure that next week and i was like all right this tree has to come down because it's going to shade the panels and if it were to fall, it could take them all out. So it has to come down now before the panels structure goes in. So I, I, you know, I started cutting down the tree. I notched it where I wanted it to go. And it could only go in one spot, which was across the, the road, um, away from my, my water tower, away from my neighbor's septic tank, away from my house, away from my trailer with all of our stuff in it. It could only go in one spot. And I notched it to go in that one particular spot. But the tree was perfectly straight and there was a slight breeze. So as I'm cutting the hinge, the back part of the tree, to kind of release it so it falls into the notch and goes where I want it to go, the chainsaw pinched and got stuck in the tree. Because, oh, the, because the tree had started to sit back in the cut. Yeah, I, totally. I knew, I knew I was fucked, but I couldn't, yeah. couldn't do anything about it. So right, the, I couldn't get the chain the chainsaw out. Lord you must have been in an amazing mood, dude. It was <laughs> so. Lourdes was in the other house, and uh, I'm in the neighbor's house that we were watching. And so I grabbed. There was a vine hanging from this huge fucking tree. So I grabbed the vine and I run 
towards the direction that I wanted the tree to fall away from my house and my water tower and my dogs and all our stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pulling on this vine and yelling at Lourdes to come out and help me. And I mean, what am I going to do? I'm holding on to a hundred foot <laughs> tree by a vine. And so it's dragging me across the, the ground. Oh my like, God. As it, as it falls and she comes to help me. And so we're both holding onto the vine of this huge tree as it falls slow motion right towards our house and our water tower and our dogs. And it, Oh my God. It hit enough of the, of the tree of the foliage that it slowed it down a little bit. And then it basically skinned one corner of the water tower enough that it slowed it down. It didn't, it didn't damage the water tower. It like broke some plumbing on the water tank. And so there's like water gushing out. Oh my God. And then it basically sits down right at like the pivot point on top of the trailer and just like lays down on top of the trailer and it didn't, it didn't even break anything. Wow. That's like an eighties movie ending. (laughs) Well, I mean, and then I'm like scrambling because there's like, we have an on-demand water heater. So there's propane and there's water gushing out of the tank and the water tower is like 16 feet high. So immediately I'm like, I turn off the gas, I throw a ladder up, I run up to the top of the water tower, I turn off the water. And then like, I got up there and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to pass out and fall off this, this platform Oh my God. because of the adrenaline. So I, I just had to yeah. sit down. I just sat down on the edge of the water tower and like Lourdes, oh, yeah, yeah. Lourdes was down on the ground staring at me. And oh, we didn't, we, we didn't even say a word to each other. Yeah. Like, what can you fucking say at that point? It was well, the way you described it before you were like, if it goes this way, my car is gone and we're in a jungle. If it goes this way, my wife and dogs are gone. If it goes this way, it's the water tower. If it goes this way, it's my home. I just built. I mean, it's just, but it ended as well as it fucking, it ended gr- fantastically. Really? <laughs> I, yeah. I, got re- I got really, really lucky. Um, yeah, and the- that, I'm pretty sure that was the last big tree I cut down and probably will be the last big tree I ever cut down. Yeah. <laughs> Just count your blessings there and Yeah. I mean I've cut down some small trees since then, but yeah, uh, yeah. Like we had a we had a dead apple tree here in Seattle that I had to cut down and you know, it was it took me all day to kind of like get it all set up and cut it down. Yeah. And once it once the tree's cut down, you gotta cut it into chunks and process it. It took a long time, but you know, it was it was manageable, but um yeah. A, a a big tree i'll never cut down a big tree again. that was insane just just thinking about like looking up at something like that yeah and it's like there's something going on way up here that i'm doing something way down here it's really wild <laughs> sometimes i'll just go to lower horse park and i'll just cut down trees <laughs> i'll just smoke a bunch of weed and just start chopping <laughs> some wood and shit and then i just leave it there to rot i still have my chainsaw if you ever want to borrow it and go yeah, I might want to take out the Lowerhurst Park. If any of my listeners want to come, I'll make a Facebook event, cut down trees at Lowerhurst. I think it'd be more fun to just walk around the Laurelhurst neighborhood and find really nice, expensive houses that have really big trees on them. Ooh, and, and onto and, their house. And, like, play, no, play a game of, like, can oh. I, how good am I with the chainsaw? Can I cut <laughs> the tree? Can I cut the tree so that it falls perfectly between these two mansions? Right. <laughs> I like how you, you said mansions like 
like almost like manscape like there's two man assholes that live next to each other with no wife or children and well they probably deserve to be get taken out you know they're just assholes <laughs> <laughs> fuck you and your mansion your mansion I like how though you're like I'm gonna practice but like if I screw up someone's mansion will be destroyed no big deal whatever <laughs> yeah it's better better to do that than to than to fuck up the park that's true yeah well, yeah, I get off on that shit. I should probably say I'm joking at this point, <laughs> but I do don't, not actually cut down trees at Lorehurst. It's okay. Um, so you guys had all that crazy shit go down, and then uh, you're like, this is just too much, and then you ended up working at a hotel in Tulum. Um, yeah. Can you describe the town? Like you said, there were supermodels on the beach. This whole thing just sounds crazy. It's like a movie. It's like these these cartels, these banditos, these supermodels. There's international finance. I mean, can it be any more fucking nuts? Tarantulas, um, <laughs> toucans. Scorpions. Hurricanes, scorpion. Poisonous snakes. J- jaguars. They got fucking jaguars. Did you see any? Or you, no, but you we, know we had, they were there. We didn't have any jaguars, but there was one night when we were in the little shack that um something came through the our camp really fast and i think it was i think it was a a coati which is like if i remember right they're like a sort of like a little raccoon type thing uh, or like they're their own thing but they're kind of like raccoon like that size of a, of a mammal um and they i think a bunch of those or havali which are like wild pigs a bunch of them ran through the the camp i think and then something big actually hit our shack, like ran into our shack. And oh, wow. uh, the dogs like flipped out. And um, by the time we jumped out of bed and turned the light, our little lamp on, uh, I mean, whatever it was, was gone. But I, I, I'm pretty sure it was probably a jaguar chasing uh, prey. How big was the house, the final house, approximately? Um, like. 20 feet in diameter maybe something like that like it was like 100 square feet maybe Not you much. had a bathroom and a bedroom right and then just another room is that how it was or no it was basically like you walked in through sliding glass doors it was a roundhouse sliding glass doors you walked in and you're like like the bed is right there so like when you're in bed you're looking out the sliding glass door gotcha. and then off to the right, there's like a little kitchenette with a, a refrigerator um, yeah, that we ran on solar, uh, and then a sink and a little like two burner propane stove. We had propane tanks out outside, um, and then the headboard was like a half wall, and behind that was the the bathroom. So we had like the shower and a sink, and we had like a little composting toilet, and then eventually we turned the we had like this outdoor kind of patio thing that was connected to the house we turned that into like an actual flush toilet and we had a septic tank dug um because for the the two years that we lived there we just had like a composting setup so we had you know buckets and sawdust and like a pile that we would dump on and uh it's actually it's pretty easy to manage it doesn't stink or anything um, but yeah, now now there's now there's a flush toilet, and you know you don't have to deal with that stuff. So it's kind of like a a stone igloo 
in a way. Yeah, and it has a it has a thatched uh, grass roof. Um, I was impressed when I saw the the pictures on the inside. The floor was like so level; it looked perfect. We had it just looked really nice, you know. We, I mean, I, I didn't expect it to be shitty, but I expected it to be like like almost luxurious in a way. Yeah, we had help with the floor. Like Lourdes and I did all of the mixing of the concrete and pouring and like actual working of the floor, but the main foreman guy of the big construction next door helped us with a how, set it up so that we could do it level. So you basically use what's called a water level, which is basically a hose with water in it, and you hold it at one end with your thumb on it and the water will level itself and then you can mark like in different spots. Yeah, it's awesome technology. Yeah, no, my, my but hat's that, off to you. I don't think I could have done that. I, I would have, it would have taken me like four tries and then I, I would have had to crumble like three houses and demolish them. And then I would have gotten it perfect on the fourth. So you got it right on the first one. So good job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, so then it was it was time to go, and then you go in. How did you find out about that hotel job? Uh, there was a couple from Colorado that um, had like a really well-established Airbnb. They were like number one in the area, and we had stumbled upon their website before we moved down there, um, as, like for inspiration or whatever. And uh, we as we're like building our house and we're out in the jungle, we remembered like, Oh, these people kind of did a similar thing. Um, maybe we should contact them and see if they'll like meet with us and talk to us. And, you know, just, it'd be cool to like get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. So Lourdes sent them an email just basically like, Hey, we've been, we've been online stalking you and we'd sure like to meet you. Maybe we can like, you know, bring a bottle of wine over and hang out and talk. And, yeah. Uh, and they were like, yeah, bring over two. Um, <laughs> it's a good so, sign. So yeah. we went over and had dinner and, and drank wine. And then a couple months later, they were like, hey, um, we want you to come over uh, the day after New Year's Eve or something. Um, or, you know, like January 2nd or something. We want you to come yeah. over. We have, we have a proposition for you. And we, we immediately were like, they're going to ask us to take over the hotel. And... Uh, and they did. So they were in the process of selling it to this Hungarian guy and they needed basically, they needed a manager for the hotel because the Hungarian guy wasn't going to manage it. Um, and the Coloradan, the, the couple from Colorado wanted to kind of pick who was, who was going to take over the, the hotel. So they picked us. So we, we started doing that and we did that for, I don't know, about six months maybe. And then the Hungarian guy, um, also had a hotel on the beach and he wasn't happy with his current manager there. And so he asked us if we would also manage the beach hotel. So the couple though, they had no idea that, the, that, uh, we talked, we touched on a little bit, but that the Hungarian guy was shady. They were just good people trying to help you out. Yeah, they didn't they help they him didn't, out. They didn't know. I don't think that they intentionally like set us up or anything. Nothing I mean, they, like that. No, no. I mean, in the end, I think they got taken too. I don't think they got, I don't think they got their money out of the guy. Like they, they were he, genuine. Yeah. They, I, they ended up selling the place for like a million dollars to this guy, but he, I don't think he even paid them half that. Oh man. 
That sounds like a fucking mess down there. <laughs> I mean, up here when you sell somewhere, you have to pay them the full amount of the money or get the loan. Somebody's giving the money over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> yeah, not the same. What would you say is like when you wake up there and you go down the street and you eat, drink your coffee, like what's different compared to here? Or like the U.S. or like you're Dylan's in Seattle, by the way, for the listeners. But yeah, we're both in the Northwest. I mean, I didn't really get to have a lot of those experiences of just like I live in the town. In the yeah, town, yeah. And like I didn't it never, I never really got to have those kind of just I don't know normal experiences. Uh, my experiences were like I, I dealt with guys in the construction yard. You know, like my Spanish was very tailored to like the material yard where we had to go buy materials for the construction or when we were managing the hotels and I had to talk to the workers about like you know the guests and the rooms and the meals and kind of directing that kind of stuff um so like the day-to-day kind of I'm just in a town I didn't get to have that because we were also we were you know 15 miles outside of the town so I don't really have an answer for that, but was it strange taking over a hotel that you've never worked in? You've never worked like at a hotel or anything, have you? No. But they just like laid it out for you, and they just helped you. Well, kind of. I mean, they had like they had like some pretty antiquated systems. I mean, they were they were older, and they had been doing it for a long time. So like, they had some stuff that was like. It didn't really make sense, and so we had to kind of relearn. We had to make our own system that made sense to, to us. Um, and once we kind of figured that out, I mean, it is there's always there's always like a challenge, there's always a problem that you have to fix, um, and you just kind of get good at. Do people trouble, ever give at, at trouble? Yeah, yeah, totally. Just like, well, I don't know how to do fix this, but we need to figure out how to fix it. Just right. is that what you do, like? Which I would say is one of the strengths of Mexico in general is that people that people that live there get really good at because there's no there's no option. It's just if something's broken, you you fix it. It doesn't matter if you have the parts or you can get the parts or you can't get the parts. You figure out how to make stuff work. Um, and it's not just like when when an object breaks. I mean, it's just in general the attitude is like you know for better or worse like si se puede like yes yes we can do it even if even if the answer is supposed to be actually no you probably can't or you probably shouldn't because it's not safe it's the answer is always si se puede and uh, there's something about that to me that's like it's very um, encouraging and endearing and like it's one of the, the memories of Mexico that I have that I hold dearly like you know, I really like that part of Mexican culture of just. Do you think there's? Do you think there's more of a sense of we're all in it together and we have to make this work more than here, where it's all about me, me, me? Um, no, I mean that exists down there too, but I don't know. I think it's just maybe because it was more rugged in that town, something like that. Yeah, I mean, with certainly with certain with certain people. Like the, the guys that worked at the material yard, the construction yard, like where we would go and get bags of concrete and stuff, um, they were like the nicest, the nicest guys, and they didn't 
seem to have like a bad bone in their body. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then and then you'd go other places and it was just like sketchy people who were just out for their own thing. I mean, I don't think you can make a blanket statement about Mexico and in many ways you probably can't make a blanket statement really about anywhere. Sure. Even, yeah. even though it, even though it's tempting to do so. I mean, yeah. Especially like when you're really fucking frustrated, you mm-hmm. know, you're like, fuck this country. I hate I hate the US. I hate Mexico. Whatever. Right. It's easy to kind of like lump everybody all together. But in the yeah. end, like everywhere you go, there's good people and there's bad people. And yeah, for sure. I mean Yeah, when I say like Americans are me, 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 it's just like the assholes that I don't know <laughs> or deal with or only deal with when I have to. Yeah. But yeah, of course there's great people everywhere and shitty people everywhere, so I mean, the, the, the guys that, that worked next to us, the Mayan guys that were building the, the like big mansion next to our little stone house, like, and some of the, and some of the guys that we worked with at the hotels, they were all local Mayan guys, and they're really, really sweet people. Like, I guess I was trying to equate it to like, like jobs I've had where I was making shit money, and it was a shit company with a shit boss, but like... All the employees were like, we're in it together, this sucks, but we gotta get through it, kind of thing. But that doesn't sound like exactly what you're talking about. I mean, that kind of existed a little bit for us, but yeah. was like, it was weird because we were, we were. I mean, I'm a foreigner, and Lourdes hadn't lived there for 20 years. So in a weird way, she was a foreigner too, um, even though she's from Mexico. It, it was a little bit more complicated because we were the boss. Yeah, even yeah. We were, we were the... We were the managers, but in a weird way, like we also didn't have that much control. Like we just had to do what we were told kind of. So we were kind of in it together with the employees, but kind of not. And so we would end up venting to them sometimes of like, you know, these fucking Hungarians and they're they're doing all this weird shit. And they, yeah. like, they want us to basically like rob you guys and treat you like shit. And we're trying to stick up for you. And but we're kind of like stuck making these difficult decisions and yeah it it was rough that part of it but you guys could have gone in there and power tripped the way it sounds too like yeah some people would have i mean in hindsight i we, you know we feel like we should have like cleared out the safe and stolen the company car but we, we didn't yeah yeah <laughs> that's usually what i do when i leave a job if i can yeah <laughs> um oh i was gonna say it was did people, um, did anyone ever give you a hard time because you're gringo? Did they list, like, the guests or the employees or never was an issue? I mean, you you kind of are like, it's there's a racism against gringos, but it's a very odd, weird, alternate reality racism from, like, the American understanding of racism. The, the, the way it works there is like you're you're singled out and you're targeted and you're treated differently and sometimes you're treated you're given like you're given better treatment in a weird way because you're they are trying to like gain favor with you so then they can use you there's like weird stuff like that so it's or like the idea that like you're just if you're a gringo you're loaded with money which yeah. is for true most of the time but like we weren't i mean <laughs> yeah um at your time there like like between the people you lived around and the guests did you meet a bunch of 
international people? Did you meet people from all kinds of different countries? Yeah, I mean, there's people from everywhere. I mean, that's the cool part about that particular That does seem really interesting. Area, yeah, there's people from all over the world. Did um, you guys, like, party with people? Like, did you get drunk with, like, French people and then, like... Yeah. Did you coke with Spanish people or, you know, like, not that crazy, but whatever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, there was, like, there'd be people staying at the hotel from all over the world. And if we made a connection with them, like, we'd hang out and drink and talk and, um... Yeah. Sounds pretty friendly overall. I mean, yeah. people were there to have fun, right? Yeah, it's a it's a party town. So. Yeah, yeah. And then at one point you were like, you were saying like you, you guys, you had to get out of there. You weren't uh, making enough money, and uh, you sort. I want to say you escaped, but you just got the fuck out of there. And then you had to take that same dusty, uh, dusty federale trail, and 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 the dogs uh, kept away the man and. You had to do it all over again and be like, fuck, this this was a clusterfuck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so then we drove, you know, all the way out, across the border. Oh yeah, can you mention the name of that and how people can get on? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's decibel amplification. Um, okay. That's mostly on my Instagram. I have I have the web page, but I haven't done anything on it yet. But yeah, I'm, I'm building amplifiers from scratch, like bands, and uh, it's really it's fun. It's, it's good work, and I'm getting to meet lots of people in the music scene, and uh, I feel like I'm contributing by keeping their amps working with the pair. And uh, yeah, sounds good.
I walked into a pawn shop when I saw the sign. They were running a special for a limited time, it said. When I walked in, I picked a 45 caliber that was in the display case. The old man behind the counter said, uh, he said, you get a free guitar, then he slapped me hard in the face. He said, you buy a gun, you get a free guitar. Let me tell you my story. He threw me the keys to his old Cadillac. He gave me some bullets and a guitar strap. In the glove box you'll find directions to a bar. I got you a gig there tonight. You can take my car. I got a gun and a Smoky barroom like I never did before. I was drinking whiskey, they were dancing on the floor. I stopped in the middle of a song and I drew that 45.
listening to Dylan Benedict's special we had some Van Halen we had some Fu Manchu we had the Mean Traders and Deadbolt I'm going to be talking about Deadbolt more in depth next week but right now let's check in with Novel Vague they're doing Guns of Brixton At your front door How you gonna come With your hands on your head Or on the trigger of your gun When the law break in How you gonna go Shot down on the pavement Or waiting on death You can crush us, you can bruise us But you have to answer too Oh, the guns of Brixton Money feels good And your life, you like it well But surely your time will come As in heaven, as in hell, you see, he feels like Ivan, born under the 
Brixton's and his game is called surviving at the end of the harder they come you know it means no mercy they got him with a gun no need for the black Maria goodbye to the Brixton You'll bite off more than you can chew 
If you get too cute or witty, you better move your feet. If you don't want to eat a meal that's coffee city. If you don't want to go to Fish City, you better detour around my town. Cause I'll grab you by the hair of the head and I'll lift you off of the ground. I'm not a saint, my baby's a saint. Cause he ain't and that he won't pat around with a kitty. I'm here to tell you gotta lay off of my man if you don't want to go to Fish City. I'm here to Die. 
must die. This daughter, which is unreal, oh, pigs must die. This ain't August 69, oh, pigs must die. Seven, seven, seek hard supply, oh, pigs must die. That was August 99, oh, pigs must die. Loretta Lynn, Death in June, and here's Sonic Youth. I'll see you next week. I've stumbled upon diverse music and local flavor. Do you like our owl? Is that Shady Pines Radio? Of course it is. Man, this place is awesome. Very. Real people, real shows, reality-based. Cartoon Owl. ShadyPinesRadio.com Humor me for just one second, would you? It's not a big deal, but I do want your full attention. Merch. Did you know this whole time that you've been walking around, you could have been doing so in a Shady Pines Radio t-shirt? Every time you take a drink from a cold brew, you could be doing that through a Shady Pines Radio koozie. All of those walls that you have in your bedroom could be covered with Shady Pines Radio stickers. And all of it is available on the Shady Pines Radio app. And you can download that app all by yourself on your iPhone, Android, or just head over to ShadyPinesRadio.com and look for the merch section 